Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, it's Friday Night Prophecy as we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. I'll be joined by my co-host, Ayo from Amitsu Study, as we discuss the events of the week. Stay tuned, because that's next, here on Fig Tree Watchers. Wow. Well, it has been an amazing kind of week, but as always... It's like the days of Elijah. So, invite a friend. Have someone join us. Call Grandma. Call Aunt Susie. Aunt May. And uh, your Uncle Bob. Because it's time for Friday Night Prophecy. Well, it's been a very hot week here in California. Uh, A little too hot. We've been describing it. Temperatures that have reached the climate control of hell itself. And so uh, if you've been wondering, uh, I got to tell you, it has been a uh, burdensome last couple of weeks. In fact, uh, I can tell you right now, uh, my tr- my vehicle right now outside is uh, looks like it's covered in snow, but it's actually ash from the local fires. Um, every morning I've come out and, and had to gently remove the, uh, the ash off of it. Uh, that's how bad it is down here in uh, uh, Southern California. So we've been experiencing a lot of things. And there is my partner. We're going to bring him on right now. Excellent. So it's... Uh, hey. Hey, brother. There you are. How are you doing? Doing good. Nice to have you back on again. Yep, yep. Uh, fill everybody in real quickly. Uh, you know, still not doing great. Yeah. Um, doing the physical therapy right now, and and uh, saw the uh, um, the uh, obstetrician. Uh, um, not the obstetrician. I'm sorry. Uh, saw my doctor dealing with the bones, and I just name slipped. But uh, the. We're not doing any kind of surgery, as I mentioned to you earlier, and uh, that's good. So, but it's going to be about a year and a half of of recovery for me. So, physical therapy and is going there, um, and then everybody was out with COVID, so except for me. So I was picking up a lot of overtime, having to work and putting in twelve hour days, and it's been kind of crazy uh, with everything that we're going through. But uh, yeah, so last Friday night. I was working, couldn't get away, mm-hmm. didn't get home until late, late, late. And uh, my wife uh, looked over at me and said, I think I know who you are. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm that guy you married. And she goes, oh, good. I'm still married. Oh, <laughs> well, she has a sense of humor. She does. She does. She was kidding me about it. About it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it was and then. The bad part about it was not only was I working all those hours, but we had the enduring heat, and um, I, I literally um, was suffering heat exhaustion on Saturday and Sunday and and Monday because of how hot the the heat was down here. Um, it was unbearable. So, you know, it, this is the thing I got to tell you. You know, we we talk a lot about Bible prophecy and news events of the week, and we know that. 
than in the end times in the book of Revelation, there's going to be such a heat wave that's going to happen on the earth that the wind is not even going to um, blow. I think it's interesting because this week, our governor, who's very progressive, who loves electric cars, told everyone in Southern California not to plug in their electric car because it would crash the electrical grid. Now, yeah. I, I want you to think about it. This is the state that just this last month announced that all electric cars, they passed in the law, all electric cars, all, all gasoline cars, I'm sorry, all gasoline cars will be banned and you can only drive an electric car in 2035. Which means anyone who makes less than $50,000 cannot afford a car. But they're banning all gasoline-powered cars. And so if our grid cannot support it, and they're not doing – there's nothing to build up the grid in California. There's no legislation. There's nothing going on um, to make this grid go better. That means that you're going to have grid failures like crazy coming up in California. And, and for him to announce, hey, don't plug in your electric car, he just told everyone in California this is a scam. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing that piece of news as well. And and it's just it's just laughable because that just goes to show that, wait a minute, you know, uh, even though they're trying to, like you said, um, stop the production eventually of these gas-powered vehicles, and then move us all to, you know, electric vehicles. And we know that, you know, certain people, not even just in California, but just all across the U.S. And there's this push for renewable energy and oh, move on to your uh, electric cars. But the problem with that is that we don't have the infrastructure for that, right? And also before this, we also talked about how for the uh, lithium batteries too, uh, to mine the components to make those batteries. Like if you look at the pictures for those mines, it's a huge pollutant, Right. So right. even though the, these electric cars are, you know, hailed as these, you know, awesome green things, you know, renewable energy, super clean, it's just adding to the issue that they're yelling at the top of their lungs about. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of crazy. And, you know, meanwhile, I, I, I think it's very interesting that this state, like I said, we're, we have a huge fire breaking out here in Southern California um, and the ash is really bad. I mean, this state's definitely under the judgment of God. Um, and I just pray for, for God's mercy. Now, it's interesting that, um, you know, the areas that I think are, that I would call the Christian areas of, of Southern California are like Chino Hills and, and yeah. Corona and, and other areas. They're unaffected by these fires, but still the infrastructure is really bad. People have died. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a really nasty fire going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just means we got to pray for California, pray for people there, you know, pray for the Lord to, you know, work during this time. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when I bring up one story and then why don't we actually, why don't we pray first and then I'll bring up one story. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. I'll do that right now. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for another opportunity to get together to talk about um, your word, Lord, um, uh, the days that we're living in um, that are mirroring or actually foreshadowing the coming tribulation, Lord. And we're just so excited because we know all these events that are going on around us, it just heralds the Lord's soon return. So we just ask that as we discuss these things tonight, uh, they use it to encourage us to the Lord's soon return. 
Um, we uh, just thank you for Brother Stefan that he's able to come. We just pray over him, over his family, over his health, Lord. We just pray for your healing hand upon him. We just pray that you continue to use him to guide his family correctly. And you just strengthen his faith during this time. And we just um, just pray over California as well. Uh, we know that uh, many things going on there um, due to the officials, just um, they're enacting um, laws that are just ungodly. Uh, and we know that those things that they're doing that you hate them, Lord, and likely that uh, California is under your hand of judgment. But we still just pray over, Lord, just pray for the leaders, pray for the citizens there, uh, that you work mightily in this situation, that you bring people to save knowledge Jesus Christ as well. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, just remember the word. It's orthopedics. My orthopedics doctor. Um, one of the things that's pretty funny, in fact, I'll bring this up right now real quick. Uh, with everything I'm going through, like my memory is not the sharpest right now because I'm in, going through a lot of pain right now. So I apologize to everyone. And um, I especially owe everyone here an apology for our Saturday apologetics we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I haven't had a chance to bring this up to anyone, but um, I got my councils confused. Uh, I was talking about the Carthage Council. I actually meant the Lady Osea Council, which was 40 years earlier. Um, they did not include the Apocrypha in um, their writings of what scripture was. And I said it was the Carthage Council. I was 40 years off, uh, made a mistake there. And I just want to apologize. I want to correct myself on that publicly. Um, someone was nice enough to call me out on that and they were absolutely correct. But it, it, there was a council, Lady Osea mm -hmm. Council, 40 years earlier, that did not include the Apocrypha as scripture. So I just want to correct myself on that. Um, Thanks for bringing that up. And then uh, bringing up as, as well on the first story I think we kind of want to talk about is kind of interesting. And that is some some good news uh, in one sense. But in the other sense, it, it kind of shows that there's something wrong with the church today. And I want to point this what it is. And uh, the news article comes from CBN News. Um, 100 students were baptized as the Spirit of the Lord moved at a North Carolina Christian school. The firestorm that followed couldn't even dim the joy. Now, you would think, okay, wait a moment, this is a Christian school. 100 students were baptized. What firestorm could have erupted? Well, the firestorm, sadly enough, came from the parents. The parents who criticized the school and said, hey, wait a moment, you should have told us that you were doing this. We wanted to be there. Some parents were like, well, wait a moment. Our kids were baptized as infants, which there's a lot of Catholics who go to Christian schools. So we can assume it was either Catholic or, or another denomination that baptized infants. But the point of it is that that saddens me is this. Since when do Christians want to dampen the spirit of the Lord. What, what is the purpose behind that? If God is moving and you're a Christian parent and your kid comes to Christ and, and feels the need to get baptized right at that moment, why do we want to quench the spirit of the Lord from working? And, you know, the, the principal of the school, he was kind of taken aback by this. He couldn't believe it. But one of the things that he did point out was that the pure joy of the students who got baptized, they have not allowed this to waver. 
And there's an interesting poll that just came out. You know, we always walk, talk about these Pew polls and everything else. Younger Christians, cr Christians who are young people today, they are more likely to pray than older Christians. And I think that's interesting because what we've been remarking on, Ayo and I, is that when you go out witnessing and you come across someone who's pagan or who's involved in the occult, they believe in the supernatural. You t I talk to people who are not Christians. They will tell you, oh, yeah, I believe in the supernatural. You know, they believe in demons and stuff like this. They believe in the power of the occult. But many Christians, they don't. And I think that this is a, a major problem that's going on today is that um, we forget that our God is supernatural, that becoming a Christian is a supernatural experience. You go from being dead to being made alive in Christ Jesus. Mm. You go from having no life to having eternal life. This is a supernatural thing that takes place. And it's not done by you. It's done by what Jesus did on the cross through his blood and resurrection. That took place and um, when you're witnessing to someone if you deny the supernatural uh, they're gonna laugh at you because they believe in it they've seen it they've experienced it and uh, I think this is important even Jesus told the, the, the Pharisees you error at one point he said in scripture you error because you do not know the power of God nor do you know the scripture and I think we've got to be reminded that um, God works in powerful ways, not in the way we always want him to work. He works the way he wants to work because he's sovereign. That's why yeah. we need to pray, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Yeah. So God brought 100 young kids to Christ and, and they got baptized, I think is extraordinary. We should be going, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's 100 kids that came to Christ. And the parents should just be rejoicing. They shouldn't even be criticizing the school. They should be thanking the school that they now have Christian kids who aren't going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, very encouraging news, as you said, just to start off with. And very interesting because a lot of news, and I'm going to get into it as well, a lot of news you've been hearing in terms of Christianity, you know, centered on Christianity or the church or whatever Christian people uh, who we know, this has been very bad news, right? People who gone astray or people who don't hold to uh, God's word anymore and you know certain theological points so it's interesting to see this news where these young people get baptized it should be an awesome event we should celebrate it and the parents are like oh you know what's going on how do you guys do things like this um, so it's very interesting it's very interesting to see that when when nowadays we can't even trust some Christian schools right because they're like teaching LGBTQ things or um, they're LGBTQ affirming or this and that or support abortion um, so that school is obviously doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I commend them that they're committed to sharing the gospel with their students. And I, I've never heard of a Christian school doing baptisms. So I commend them for even doing that. That's just amazing to me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what have you got for us, Ayo? Uh, yeah, so just to start off here, uh, since we're talking about Christianity right now, I might as well just piggyback off of that. Um, I guess I'll be the bearer of bad news here. <laughs> so you bring the good news, I'll bring the bad news. From the Christian Post, over a third of senior pastors believe, quote, good people can earn their way to heaven. I think the last time we've talked about one of these surveys was uh, concerning pastors. I think a third of pastors who 
um, like did not read their Bible or did not hold to, did not hold to the biblical worldview is what it was. So a third of pastors did not hold to the biblical worldview. That was the last time we talked about something like this. And we usually, you know, every now and then talk about these kind of polls. So this is the latest one. Over a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven. Um, you know, scripture doesn't say that, obviously. So the article says at least a third of senior pastors in the United States believe one can earn a place in heaven by simply being a good person. Uh, the findings are among several surprising responses part of a survey conducted earlier this year by the Culture Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Um, so this Christian university was the people that did this poll. Um, lastly, the article says, the American Worldview Inventory 2022 examined more than three dozen beliefs held by pastors. Researchers found that in addition to believing that people can merit salvation, so basically you can work for your salvation, right? Merit, that's work-based salvation. In addition to people believing that, in addition to believing that people can merit salvation based solely on their good works, one third or more of senior pastors surveyed also believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but rather a symbol of God's power. Um, and that's contrary to scripture because God, or Jesus Christ rather, refers to the Holy Spirit as a he. So the Holy Spirit is a person, third member of the Trinity, not a, not a wind or not a force of some kind. I know Jehovah's Witnesses, I believe, uh, believe in something like that. The Holy Spirit isn't a person, so that's just not orthodox. Um, others said that moral truth is subjective. Sexual relations between two unmarried people who love each other is morally acceptable. And biblical teaching on abortion is ambiguous. So basically, we're just seeing um, these so-called pastors. I don't know how they got their degrees. I don't know why they're even teaching their flock. Um, but they've just totally gone astray in terms of biblical teaching and why this is significant in terms of like Bible prophecy, right? Because we're bringing a current events update relates to Bible prophecy here is what the Bible says concerning, you know, the last days, um, concerning the church specifically and how we would fall astray from um, God's word. So second Timothy four, one of four here says, I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead has appeared in his coming or at it and his kingdom rather preach the word be ready in season out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fable so we're seeing that in all sorts of places where certain uh, people are being ordained uh, LGBTQ people are being ordained or transgender people are being ordained. They're saying, hey, it's not wrong to be gay and this or that. You know, it's a church that affirms, you know, queer this or queer that. Or we're seeing critical race theory being taught in churches. Um, so people are gathering up people for themselves who will scratch the ears. They don't want to hear the truth anymore. And that kind of puts the blame because soft, oftentimes we want to kind of put the blame on pastors um, when we see, you know, a church going astray or something like that, I want to say, hey, it's the pastor's fault. And it, that is true as well. Um, but we also see scripture in 2 Timothy 4, uh, starting verse verse 3 and verse 4 here, that it's also the congregants, the flock, it's people, right, who heap up for themselves those who will scratch their itching ears, right? So it's also the members of the church, the people, fellow believers, the body of Christ, or even so-called Christians who gather these people for themselves because it's just what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what's going to make them feel good. And that's becoming more and more popular in Christendom today. And the second verse here, and I'll give it to Brother Stefan, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3. 
Now the Spirit expressly says then the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God creates to be received thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So the key there is this first one. Um, latter times some depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. Um, and I mean, you know, if, if you're saying at this point that the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power. It's not a person uh, that if people who are unmarried, two people who are unmarried and love each other, they can have sexual relations outside marriage and it's fine. Or the abortion is, or the Bible that speaks abortion, things like this. Uh, if you can say those things confidently, then definitely doctrine of demons. Definitely you're not sound in scripture. Um, so yeah, that's unfortunately something else we're seeing. Uh, that's an increasing trend in Christendom today. Yeah, and, and by the way, in the congruency of the scriptures you're reading, this matches up with what First Thessalonians talk. Uh, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians talks about that there'll be a great falling away that takes place. Um, some people interpret that falling away as like the rapture, but yeah, you and I were, I think, on agreement on that. Unless your view has changed. Um, that that falling away is referring to an apostasy in Second Thessalonians. Do you agree with that? Uh, I'm still looking into it. I'm like, I go back and forth. And so I do know there's still two views that exist, um, but I'm not solid on which one I believe yet. But we can agree that there is a great falling away that's going to take place sure. as far as sure. apostasy. And um, I, I look at that and I go, you know, we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing it. And I, I think it's interesting because so many people want to get their ears tickled right? They, they really do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's more important to quickly address this issue, right? So let, let's talk about the issue. The first thing that they did in this poll, what, what was the first thing that they said in this poll was that pastors no longer believe what? So they said that pastors, a third of senior pastors in the United States believe one can earn a place in heaven by simply doing good work. So that's what they believe. All right, so let's talk about this just for a moment because I want to make sure everyone understands this very clearly, right? If you could be good on your own, logically, let's just take this logically. Now we're going to pull aside from Scripture. We're going to use what's called logic here for a moment, okay? If you could be good on your own and it was in your evolutionary process to become better, then why is humanity not becoming better? Why is humanity becoming more evil? Why is there more corruption in the world today than at any other point in history? Why are there more murders, violent murders today than any other time? Why is there more of a chance of war breaking out right at this moment than at any other time in history? We haven't seen from last century to this century a great improvement. We went from one world war to a second world war. We saw atrocities. Then we went into a cold war. Then we just saw this craziness of this Islamic uh, fundamentalism go throughout the world. And we saw butchery, Christians being beheaded. Every day we see atrocities from Nigeria to India to, you know, all sorts of places. Zambia, where Christians are being killed and brutalized or, or children now. In this time that we live in right now, it's okay to rape a child. It's, it's considered, you know what, 
they, they actually want to change the laws because they want you to say that it's, it's child love, right? And this is sick and disturbing. Child molesters have always been killed in human history. They've always been uh, considered evil. But we're now coming to a point where, where we're not evolving into goodness. We're not evolving into being better humans. We're devolving. And why is that? Because we can't be good on our own. We need a savior. We need Jesus to save us. And this is what I talked about. Christianity is supernatural. Because what happens when Christ comes into your life, he, you start getting the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, and you start being convicted by the Holy Spirit of things that you are doing wrong in your life that no longer satisfy you. And you've heard, we've all heard the testimony of many people who came to Christ, they had drug addictions, all of a sudden they didn't want anything to do with drugs. And it was like a miracle. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. Alcoholics who, who came to Christ had a massive experience with the Lord and suddenly no longer a desire for alcohol. You, you heard about women who have uh, suffered abuse, sexual abuse, and they went into prostitution and they, or they lived their life promiscuously and they came to Christ and suddenly they had a new identity. And they were, they were recognized now as, oh, I'm a child of the living God. And that's because we can't be good on our own. We need the blood of Jesus to wash away our sins and the Holy Spirit and Christ to enter into us and transform us through the renewing of our mind through God's holy word. And I, I think that, that, that this is fundamentally flawed. And you're right. They're learning these in these cemeteries that we call seminaries today. Um, and it's full of lies. And it's full of Gnosticism. And we're going back into these dark, dark times. Now, the second issue you brought up, would you remind everyone what that is? Yeah, it's that, um, let's see. So the first one is that they say that you can basically earn your salvation. The second one is that the Holy Spirit is not a person. Yes. So the Holy Spirit is not a person. Yet Jesus said, I have to go so that he can come. He can come. And why does he come? In John 16, he describes this perfectly. He describes that the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of sin. He comes to convict the whole world of sin. And I think that this is important because Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come to convict us of sin. Wow. Why? So that we would recognize that we need Jesus. That's what John is described. That's what Jesus is saying in John chapter 16. And I think that this is so important to understand. Um, so I, I just wanted to address that real quickly because it's, mm. it's important for us to understand. Yeah, this has a lot to do with Bible prophecy, but this has to do with what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Don't be deceived. The beginning of Matthew 24, he says, just don't be deceived. And this is the deception that's coming on. We want our ears tickled we want what feels good we want something to satisfy us but you know what the problem is you can watch all the cool science fiction movies in the world they're not going to satisfy you you can sit there trying to find the next entertainment and it's not going to satisfy you you're not going to be satisfied you can have sex with a hundred people and it's not going to satisfy you. you're going to be empty and you know why because your soul is longing 
for living water that can only come from the throne of God through his grace, through Jesus Christ. Jesus offers living water that will satisfy and quench the thirst of what you're trying to find to satisfy you. And I urge you, if you don't know Jesus, allow something supernatural to happen to you. Allow Christ to come in and transform your life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just to add to what you're saying, just to give a quick verse here before I move on, uh, Isaiah 64, 6, you know, one of the verses that just totally refutes the idea that we can work for our salvation. There's many more, too. You can go to Ephesians 2 and, and some others, but... Isaiah 6, 4, 6 says, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So the Old Testament says that all our righteousnesses, so you can translate that, you know, modern English to our good works, the good things we do, you know, reading the Bible, feeding the homeless, helping out the poor, all those things, if done by itself, God just sees as filthy rags. They don't mean anything to them in terms of earning our way to, to heaven or being saved um so again these pastors i don't i have no clue what they're talking about but it's definitely a deception it's definitely um an ignorance of scripture willful ignorance um or maybe uh something more diabolic going on there in terms of just lying to people um but definitely an ignorance of scripture yeah absolutely absolutely thank you for for bringing that article up i i, I I mean, it's it's sad, but it, it also is an exciting point to come to realize um, that we do need Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all that matters. Uh, so next article here, moving on, uh, to anti-Semitism. So we, we cover this every now and then. Um, even though if we don't cover it, it's not like the issue died down or anything like that. Um, but from the Jerusalem Post, we must stop anti-Semitism from spreading on digital platforms, opinion, um, over the last several years, there's been an alarming increase in anti-Semitic incidents across the globe. Today, the apparent majority originate online. And even though they originate online, the article goes to say that um, it then moves into real life, right? So just because they originate online doesn't mean they stay online. So the problem is that they've exploded online, these anti-Semitic things, anti-Semitic incidents, anti-Semitic like um, rhetoric has exploded online the last few years. And that explosion also leads to real-life scenarios of anti-Semitism. This article says, This hate seen online is not just harmless chatter relegated to dark corners of the internet. It spills onto the streets. And dangerous propaganda can quickly transcend the geographic boundaries or borders of any country. Combating this global hatred, therefore, requires global solutions. So we oftentimes you know, highlight um, an article that talks about anti-Semitism. And, and, you know, just talk about, you know, why, why does it matter? Why does it matter if anti-Semitic attacks and things like that are increasing uh, year after year um, against the Jewish people? And why it matters is because the Bible says that's what's going to happen, right? In the last day specifically, that there will be this explosion of anti-Semitism towards Israel uh, to the point where Satan wants to wipe them out. Um, so ultimately, when we see anti-Semitism, and this is nothing new, right? It's all throughout history. You can see it in the Bible. Um, well, how Satan continually tries to wipe out the Jewish people and how God intervenes on their behalf. Um, and even the Holocaust is a great example of that. So when we look at those incidents in history, we see what's going on in the Bible. We shouldn't just look at it through natural eyes. We should see that there's something spiritual going on here. It's a spiritual war, and Satan is behind, ultimately, this anti-Semitism going on worldwide. 
um, Zechariah 12 uh, tells about, you know, the, the end of the tribulation and how the whole world essentially is going to go on the offensive against Israel. So Zechariah 12 here says, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel, thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays out the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely become pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So we see that eventually during the tribulation, by the end of the tribulation, um, when Jesus Christ comes back to the earth to intervene on behalf of his people, it, the Jews, every nation of the earth is going to be against Israel. Um, Zechariah 13, 8 to 9. And it shall come to pass in all lands, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be in it. I'll bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They'll call my name, and I'll answer them. I'll say, this is my people, and each one will say, this the Lord is my God. Um, so just another prophecy there, uh, a pretty sad one concerning the Jews in the tribulation, that two-thirds of the Jewish people will be wiped out during the tribulation. But God will save a remnant, and we see that highlighted in Revelation 12 as well. I'd recommend you guys to read that. Um, the woman there represented as, as Israel, and then Satan represented that dragon um, who tries to persecute Israel, but God will um, save a remnant for the last half of the tribulation period. Um, so essentially what we're seeing, guys, is that as we see anti-Semitism ramp up, it just shows us that, hey, we're that much closer to tribulation because the anti-Semitism will explode during that period of time. So it shouldn't surprise us if we see the anti-Semitism rise and increase year after year. Not that it's a good thing, but it's just that what we should expect based on what the Bible says. Uh, we have a great question here. Uh, can you define what anti-Semitism is? Um, I'll, I'll go first if you don't mind, and then I'll let you go with it. Um, just like Christophobia. What is Christophobia? Christophobia is the, the hatred of Christians. Anti-Semitism is the hatred of Jewish people. Um, and uh, it has always been around. I mean, it goes back thousands of years. Um, but it's it's like no other bigotry. It, like I mean, it's like every other bigotry that's out there, you know, hating someone because they're black or hating someone because they're white. Um, this just happens to be hating someone because they're Jew. Um, and, you know, it, it goes with what Hitler tried to do. It, it goes with a lot of other, like Stalin tried to do, why he wiped out, you know, nearly 8 million Jews while Hitler wiped out 6 million Jews. And it's going along with what is happening with Christophobia, people trying to kill people over being Christians. So um, I, it's the hatred of the Jewish people. And that's it in a nutshell to answer your question. Yeah, and I agree with that. Not much sad. Um, I looked it up myself and literally same thing, hostility to or prejudice against Jewish people. Um, so yeah, that's all. There's only say anti-Semitism. We're just saying hatred towards the Jewish people. So good question. Yeah. And anybody who has to hate someone, uh, you need to come to God and go, okay, God, I need you to get rid of this because as Christians, we're required to love. In fact, I think one of the most amazing um, things that has happened uh, recently is Estonian Christians, who are not the wealthiest of Christians by any means, they're opening up their arms to Ukrainian refugees um, and allowing them in. And, and, you know, some of the comments are, 
you know, we had no electricity. I doubt we'll have heat this winter. Uh, but why don't you come in in our home and, and we'll warm each other up with, lo with love. I think this is a great thing that the Estonian Christians are doing. And they're being like, wow, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you helping out the Ukrainians? Um, it, it's, a, it's a God thing. And that's what we do. We look, we don't look at the race. We don't look at the gender of the person. We don't look at where they came from. As Christians, our job is to, uh, as James says, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins, First um, Peter tells us. So love, be hospitable, not hostile. <laughs> yeah, hospitable, yep. Uh, so moving on to the Middle East here, uh, there's a lot going on with Russia and they're buddy-budding with Iran and China. Uh, so do the Jerusalem Post highlights this? Russia prepares economic outreach to Iran and China. Uh, Russia is preparing to work more closely with Iran on economic projects. Iran's industrial pro products will have significant place in Russia, excuse me, according to Iranian media and a Russian official quoted in that media stating that industrial goods made in Iran can have an acceptable position in the Russian market. Um, I'll get into why this is prophetically significant in a bit, but I just want to highlight another article that kind of focuses on this. Um, so here from Israel National News, Western sanctions are moving Russia closer to Iran, Putin says. Another article about Russia getting closer to Iran. A Russian President Vladimir Putin downplayed the effectiveness of effectiveness of Western sanctions imposed on Moscow following the invasion of Ukraine, telling an economic forum that the attempts to cripple the Russian economy have led to the creation of a new Eastern axis. Um, so wait, he wait, said, uh, hold on. Yeah. You mentioned World Economic Forum. Can you slow that down very carefully and say that one more time for everybody to pick up on? Oh, no, I said economic form so i said telling an economic forum that the attempts to cripple the russian economy have led to the creation of a new eastern axis so not western not uh um world economic forum but just economic forum okay Putin yeah sounds like it though sounds like yeah we've been talking about the world economic forum so much so it's just like oh yeah I, I heard that i wanted you to slow down because i wanted to hear that <laughs> one more time i was like wait a moment what did you just say yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah thanks for stopping me yeah, the article says to overcome the challenges created by the sanctions, Russia is developing closer ties with powers outside of Europe and North America. Putin added, including the Middle East, in particular, Iran. Um, so if you guys have been following us for any length of time, you should you know, automatically know where we're going with this, Ezekiel 38. Um, in, the, in the first few verses of Ezekiel 38, there's a list of nations there. Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about essentially this group of nations who goes to for for uh, economic purposes they go against israel to invade for gold for livestock for spoil essentially for economic purposes for economic gain and god intervenes on israel's behalf um and basically wipes them out and ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about that um, but the nations that are part of it are russia and um iran as well and iran there is noted as persia too so because of this, because of the close ties here, and, and Turkey's a part of this, and, and Libya, and Sudan, and other nations, uh, but just because of what Scripture lists here concerning this invasion that will happen in the last days with these nations, Russia and Iran, who we're focusing on now, it shouldn't surprise us to see 
that Russia and Iran are getting closer and closer. And this article I just noted from Israel National News is very interesting too, because uh, Putin states here that because of the sanctions from Western nations against Russia due to his invasion against Ukraine, that's further pushing him away from the West and closer and closer to nations like Iran. So it's very interesting to see how that's working um, uh, to basically fulfill, or not fulfill rather, but set the stage for this prophecy. And we've already talked about, you know, Ukraine. Once that invasion happened, we've talked about it a bit here, about how that could be stage setting. We've said that, okay, we can see how it will diminish the influence of the U.S. in the world because it's just basically another flop. Uh, they messed up with Afghanistan. They messed up with Ukraine. And we highlighted articles months ago showing that. It wasn't just me and Brother Stefan saying that. Those articles made it clear that essentially it was just creating a, quote, new world order with a U.S. diminishing influence and the U.S.'s enemies uh, growing in influence. And we're seeing that with Russia where they're saying that, hey, those economic sanctions, they didn't do anything. But one thing they are doing is that they are drawing us closer to Iran. And again, we shouldn't be surprised about that because Ezekiel 38 shows us that these nations will have a relationship to eventually go against uh, Israel in the latter days. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now we do have a question and I'm gonna bring up a, another interesting story that I think has a lot to do with this. But the question is, what about people that are anti-God? The Bible says um, to mark those who cause division amongst you, not to hate, but shouldn't we hold those people at a certain distance? Um, look, I think that the, that we, and I would say Jesus, this is an important thing to remember. We have to look at it the way Jesus did, right? There were uh, Pharisees that were trying to kill Jesus. And there were Pharisees who were lost and wanted to get to know Jesus. Nicodemus is one of those. But in both cases, Jesus engaged the Pharisees. He engaged Nicodemus. He talked to Nicodemus. He talked to the Pharisees. Uh, they gave up on him. I mean, they, they couldn't beat him. They couldn't trick him into any questions. But it is important to continue to pursue love. In fact, one of the most critical parts of Scripture, it states, is that we're to love our enemies. Um, in fact, uh, David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Meaning, David was talking about that God literally arranged a table setting in the midst of his enemies where we're engaging with them. And, and here's the biggest issue. We live in a world that's hostile towards God, hostile towards Jesus, hostile towards Christianity. If you don't go out and engage them, how are you going to be an ambassador of reconciliation? How are you going to bring them to Christ? Now, there is a point that I will say that if someone is bringing chaos to your life every single day and draining you every single day, there might be a point to cut them off. Or if they're unwilling to um, reconcile things with you, then you take it to the church elders and you let them do the church disciplining, but don't take it on your own hands. Let the elders in your church do it. Um, go to your pastor first. Uh, 
uh, and then if that doesn't resolve, then go to the elders and then let the church resolve it. And that's following the biblical mandate of it. But I, I would encourage you to never stop praying for it. I, I'm reminded all the time something that happened with my aunt. Her next door neighbor was hostile towards her for years, for years. And just a few weeks before my aunt moved out of the neighborhood, the neighbor knocked on the door and she thought, oh, my goodness, here it comes again. You know, here it comes. And the neighbor said, I have to tell you something. Um, I came to Jesus and I just came over to tell you I'm sorry for the way I've treated you for all these years. And oh, what do you, my aunt prayed for all the time. She endured hostility, like horrific acts were done against her by this neighbor. And just as she's getting ready to move, um, the neighbor comes and says, you know what, I, I'm coming over to ask for forgiveness um, because I, I've become a Christian and I've given my life to Jesus. And she goes, I hated you because you had so much joy in your life. Well, what do you say to that? What do you say to that? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to combat hatred with love. And I, I would say that right there. I mean, that's, I think, the answer to your question. And, and I hope that answers it, um, First Lady, uh, best way I can. Do you agree with that? I uh, yeah, I was just looking up that verse. I think that she was referencing um, Romans 16, 17 and 20. Uh, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you learn, avoid them. For those who are such not serve our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience to become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, wanting to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Um, so yeah, in Scripture we basically we do see this exhortation by Paul essentially to like avoid those who cause division, knowing that those people aren't believers; they're not of Christ. And I agree with you as well that we also see in Scripture where, um, in terms of our enemies, those who abuse us, those who you know um persecute us were to love them as well um so this would be something very interesting to look into as well in terms of reconciling both um and doing both in the, one more thing about that passage paul is actually addressing people within the church in that passage people in the church that are causing division among believers so it's people who are who are wolves in sheep clothing causing the division yeah those people avoid them avoid them don't even have anything to do with them because they're intentionally there, they're wolves in sheep clothing within the body of Christ, pretending to be Christians. Um, these are those false pastors that you were mentioning earlier. And I think if you look at it in that context, yeah, we're supposed to have nothing to do with them because they're liars. They're claiming to be believers, but they're not of us, right? They're, they've turned the grace of God, Jude says, into lewdness, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what it's referring there. Um, and, and now that you brought that scripture up, I, I wanted to clarify that. Hey, in regards to Israel with Iran, I do want to bring this up because I think this was really big news um, this week. And that is another thing to forget to, you talked about Ezekiel 38. We have this major issue going on with Iran and that is they are building a large base in Eastern Syria for advanced weapons. Now, this is going to go along in the lines of it. Uh, this was reported by JNS. 
According to the report, Iran intends to construct underground storage facilities for weapons uh, hidden either in refrigerator trucks for agricultural produce or in buses carrying pilgrims to Shiite holy sites in Syria. The base will also host a tunnel of networks for missile factories. So this is going to be an offensive base intended to hit Israel. And this lines up with Ezekiel 38. But more importantly, I think this is going to line up with the Isaiah 17 passage, the destruction of Damascus. Yeah, so it's very interesting because you told me about that. Really. I didn't even know about that. Um, but yeah, Israel will definitely be keeping their eyes on it because they've always, you know, threatened Iran, saying that they won't let them, you know, build a nuclear bomb. We know about that. Um, but they also won't let them entrench themselves in Syria as well, right? Um, so it'll be very interesting to see kind of what moves Israel makes against Iran's entrenchment of themselves uh, in Syria. Um, but with another article here, still in the Middle East, Israel 365 News, uh, Ben Gurion, that's a airport in Israel, Ben Gurion gearing up to bring all seven nations straight from the airport to Third Temple. So this is Third Temple related news here. Um, Israel is upgrading its already impressive international airport. The government is also working on a railway infrastructure. They'll bring international travelers directly from the airport to the Temple Mount. Uh, this will enable all so many nations to come to worship God in Jerusalem's house of prayer. A vision that the government has already hinted is their true intention. It's very interesting. Uh, transportation infrastructure, infrastructure will play an essential role in Third Temple as a, quote, house of prayer for all nations. Uh, this was clearly in the minds of the Jerusalem municipality when they distributed brochures in the ultra-Orthodox neighborhoods of Jerusalem in July to address concerns about increasing the light rail system. The brochures featured religious Jews riding the light rail to the Temple Mount, to the Third Temple rather, bearing animal and vegetable sacrifices. So it's very interesting there to see that they want to make these improvements to the you know train system in Israel to take people from the airport to directly the Third Temple or the Temple Mount now at least, so that in the future when they're thinking the Third Temple will be built, they'll take people there immediately um, and that's very interesting because Baal prophecy presumes there will be a third temple right standing in the middle of the tribulation there has to be because Dan 927 says in the middle of the tribulation the antichrist will stop the sacrifices and you know declare himself as God in the third temple right so for that to happen there has to be a third temple built in Israel standing in the at least uh, in the midpoint of the tribulation uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24 15 uh, therefore, when you see the abomination desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads it, let him understand that he tells him to flee um, from the area, right? So this abomination desolation has to happen in the third temple. This is the third temple right now that is really being talked about that some Jews want built immediately as soon as possible. Um, so it's very interesting that, you know, as, as this gets closer and closer to fulfillment, we'll see more third temple news. Um, like this yeah absolutely absolutely hey did we have any questions tonight that we got on on uh, any anybody asked no no we didn't so what he's referring to guys for those who don't know or those who are new uh, before we start a show every night on Fridays we usually just post you know we ask on our story that hey you know if you have any questions uh, you can type it in that little um, box thing in the, in the story and then if we receive any questions we'll answer those questions so a few people have done that in the past and we've been, you know, blessed to answer your questions. You have been blessed to receive our answers and just uh, dive through scripture with us. So you guys can definitely take advantage of that, you know, every Friday uh, before the Instagram live.
but no questions say no. Awesome. Okay. There you go. Hey, um, man, what a, uh, exciting night that we've had here. Um, we have one more question that, that came in. Can wolves become, come to Christ? You know what? God can do anything. Um, if he can bring, um, me to Christ or a serial killer to Christ, uh, you know, I, he can bring anyone to Christ, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think that that's a, a great question now. But that was awesome. Yeah, um, I want to say great questions we got tonight, uh, everyone. And I, I just encourage you, this is the one thing I'm really going to encourage everyone to do, is dive into your Bibles, you know? Really dive into your Bibles and, and get excited about it. Um, I want to show you something. This is something I grow in my backyard. It's called a jujube. And um, it is, it tastes like an apple, but it's got mm -hmm. a seed like a cherry, right? Interesting. And um, what's interesting about it is they actually get about this big, right? Um, but if you allow the little small branches to um, grow, shoots to grow, the first year you'll get this, but the second year you'll get the bigger one. Okay. And so with other trees, if you have shoots down at the stem of your tree, you want to cut them off quickly, like plums and stuff, because they do damage to the tree. But with a jujube, the shoots are good. And you want the shoots and it spreads. And the next thing you know, you got a jujube forest in your backyard. It's pretty cool. Um, and they are loaded with vitamin C. So it's really good. Well, that's the same thing with your walk with the Lord, right? There are times when God's going to prune you in your life at that point in your life you're like a plum tree you need to be pruned you need to have those shoots removed and then there's going to be the part in your life when you're going to need those shoots to go out and build lots of fruit right now I've got probably a couple thousand of these on my tree right they're all over the tree um and um the reason I'm bringing that up is because there's a time when God's going to prune you and there's a time when you don't need to be pruned, when God's going to not want to prune you because he's going to want you to go out there and share the gospel. Right now is the time to share the gospel. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. You need to share the gospel with those around you because we're running out of time and we may not get the bigger jujubes. We'll just get the small ones. But you know what? They're still going to heaven. And I, I wanted to bring that up tonight. Share your faith wherever you are. Tell everyone you know about Jesus. Okay? Yeah, definitely do that, guys. And we also want to, you know, use this news uh, to encourage you because, you know, we started with the encouraging our article and it was great. See what the Lord's doing. And we started talking about current events. We're like, oh, no, you know, all this crazy stuff happening with, you know, Russia and Iran and, and oh, man, Ukraine, the Ukraine invasion is still going on. So a lot of stuff still going on. And we weren't able to get through all the articles. I mean, for the past two weeks, I've talked about crypt uh, cryptocurrency and technology. Um, so obviously, a lot of stuff is going on, you know, preparations for, you know, the coming third temple and that. Um, so we just want to remind you through 2 Timothy 1.7 that we're not trying to scare you with all this stuff. We're just trying to, you know, prepare you, right? Bible prophecy isn't to scare, but to prepare. We want to use it as encouragement. 2 Timothy 1.7 1, uh, says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we just want to use this again to encourage you that all this news ultimately points to 
his Lord's soon return, right? That we're not going to go through the tribulation or anything. And for those who haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ, we want to encourage you to believe on him today. Today is the day of salvation, as Paul says um, to the Corinthian church in the, in the book of Corinthians. And so that means that uh, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't, you know, because there's some unbelievers that say, oh, yeah, you know, those Christians think that God's going to judge the world one day through this tribulation or whatever. I'll just wait till that time comes. Then I'll believe in Jesus Christ. Um, but that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem because when we read through the scriptures, you know, basically the outcome of a lot of believers in the tribulation, the tribulation saints, is they're, they're beheaded. They end up in heaven um, because they're killed and martyred. So if you can't, if you can't live for Christ now, what makes you think that you'll live for Christ when the tribulation does happen, right? So don't wait till the tribulation happens. You don't even know if you'll make it to then um, because we, we we're here today, gone tomorrow. Life is a vapor, like James says. So just believe on the Lord now. There's not multiple ways of salvation. We talked about this a little bit today. Uh, you can't earn your way to salvation. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do good works to be saved. You have to trust in Jesus who did it all, who took on God's wrath on the cross. If you believe in that, then you'll be saved and you won't be in the tribulation either. So that's our exhortation to you uh, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And if you do become a Christian in the tribulation, when they go to behead you, hug the guy that's going to ax you. Just hug him and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. I just want you to know I love you and I forgive you. Right? Maybe he'll come to Christ. <laughs> that would probably freak him out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even for today, too, even the persecutors of those who, who experience love by Christians who are going to kill, God can still reach them. So it's, it's just crazy what God can use to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Friday night, Prophecy Night. And uh, may you be blessed with the Lord this week. May you grow in his righteousness. May you grow in his grace. And may you love those around you and be the ambassador of reconciliation that Christ has called you to be. Good night, everyone. Have a good night, guys.